0: Hi, I'm Audrey. I beat the off in path by dropping out of Stanford after my freshman year to found a K through 12 education company.
1: Audrey Wish is a powerhouse, a juggernaut, a wunderkind, Or maybe she's just a really cool person with a great idea. Audrey is the Stanford stop-out, co-founder of Curious Cardinals, a company that's redefining mentorship for K-12 students. They've raised millions in funding, and they did an astonishing $750,000 of sales in their first year when she was just an undergrad at Stanford. And they essentially link passionate college mentors with younger mentees. In a time when children are in dire need of both better education and human connection, her mission is just so, so, so important. So here's Audrey Wish of Curious Cardinals. I'm Ross Palmer, and this is Beat the Often Path. So you have had a very unusual path, and we're going to get into this in just a second. I... I'm in awe of businesses that have scaled or have been created from what appears to be the unscalable, it would be like if I had the idea to have a lemonade stand or let's say at a snow plowing business when I was 15 years old and I shoveled somebody's snow for $20 and then I decided to make a business out of that and then I got millions of dollars of funding for that. Yeah. How did any of this happen? Because it's a mentorship program which is inherently, you'd say, not particularly a scalable thing or not particularly even a new thing. So why is this new, and how did you end up here?
0: Yep, totally. Um, I love that you brought up the lemonade stands because... I never considered myself entrepreneurial or an entrepreneur, but I was like the queen of lemonade stands in my middle school days. So that brought me back to my Why roots. is It's
1: everybody. Oh my God. Like I feel so left out. I missed the bus. Two I things know. that I never had, a lemonade stand and Forbes 30 under 30. What the heck?
0: That's Yeah. The commonalities amongst <laughs> us. It, so. they, they
1: go together. It's hand in hand. <laughs> That's
0: so funny. I love that. Um, So I founded Curious Cardinals super, super organically, as you said. I was a history major at Stanford. I thought it was pre-law. I wanted to be an immigration or criminal justice reform lawyer. Um, Aspired to be long-term the next Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And so never, I didn't really see myself in the entrepreneurial scene at Stanford. And I didn't even, I didn't love that scene either. And I was sent home from Stanford my freshman year. And I was teaching English to members of the janitorial staff at Stanford, and I sent got sent home. Really,
1: Isn't kicked out? You were booted, sent it home. It was
0: literally it was March of 2020, and
1: oh, sent home because 19, of the pandemic, right? The pandemic right, right, Gotcha. Yes.
0: I was literally I was supposed to be on Stanford. I got into I was not doing some fun spring break program. I got into the research seminar. I was going to be on campus, and they were like, "You have to go home early." I live in New York, so I went. Um, I took my finals virtually at my friend's house. We drove, they lived in LA. And then, and then they suddenly,
1: were like, Suddenly you're like $80,000 a year. doesn't seem like such a good deal anymore.
0: No. oh they. And then I realized I actually had to fly home to the, the East Coast. I was home on the East Coast. I was doing Stanford online that spring. But I was like, this was my freshman year at Stanford. Like this is what I had worked so hard for. And I didn't get the spring quarter at Stanford. And I was taking 20 units of classes, so I was like, I'm going to double down. Um, but I couldn't continue with my extracurriculars. I loved my extracurriculars. I was doing this program called ABLA, where I was teaching English. And I was like, I need to make money. I didn't, again, I kind of, again, you you're sent home to your childhood bedroom after high school, your freshman year, and I wanted that autonomy. I needed to make money, and I had more time on my hands, so I decided to start tutoring. I reached out to a bunch of families, sent my resume around, and found some students to tutor. And started working with a seventh grader and a ninth grader. Working with them, observed how disengaged and uninspired they were with what they were learning in school, and how they were absorbing and regurgitating what they were reading in a textbook, but they didn't know why they were learning what they were learning. So that inspired me to apply what they were learning in school to my own passions, in hopes of igniting their imagination for what they could pursue and why. And got them really jazzed up about learning. The mom was like, I couldn't get her off of TikTok and now she wants to meet with you more. And they started telling their friends. One of them asked for math help. I was not as passionate about math. So I texted the guy who became my eventual co-founder. Alec was an aerospace engineer at Stanford and he loved math. He started applying what they were learning in math to how airplanes fly. They started telling all their friends and I'm like a super connector by heart, but I've never done it in a business context. It's always been like, you need to meet this friend. I want to connect you. And I started doing that with the families that were coming to us and my most passionate and accomplished peers at Stanford. And then before I knew it, we had something going on here and we realized, wow, there's a real opportunity here. We were also thinking about the macro climate of like, we're seeing this firsthand, but our education system is broken. It's not working for anyone. Kids are not gaining the skills they need to thrive in society. They're disengaged. They're unhappy. They're getting stimulation through their devices and they have access to learn whatever they want to create things, to amass followings. And we're not nurturing that. And there's... Just terrible inequity in our country as well. It's not working. Um, And so we were like, let's just, let's do this as a side hustle. This is super fun. It was June of 2020. We launched our first Wix website and never in a million years would I thought I would be here almost three years later.
1: Incredible. When I have a vision of students learning remotely during that time, I just imagine somebody putting up one of those little birds that automatically drinks the water in front of their camera. I mean, they're just (laughs) off somewhere or a piece of paper that's a photograph of themselves. I mean, the camera froze and it's just stuck on this frame. Uh, So, of course, you're disengaged because it's awful. Nobody wants I don't like being in Zoom meetings all day, every day. Nobody does. I've been doing this for a decade before the pandemic because I'm a remote person with my marketing agency. But I get that it's not an ideal learning environment and uh, most people were probably just playing beer pong by themselves in their room (laughs) trying to emulate the college experience but you somehow did something more than that so what motivated you to take on that extra burden of mentoring people versus just wallowing in self-pity which would have been a totally understandable thing to do in that yeah
0: I am always someone who Loves to be doing things and moving the needle forward. And people like to say, I don't let the grass grow underneath me. Um, in that time, I remember I was sent home. I started making banana bread and doing the things we were doing. I made a scrapbook <laughs> week two. And then I was, and then I also, I think a lot of people were self pitying. It was like, this sucks. We got our right. freshman year taken away from us. It was other people were like, we got our senior years taken away from us. And I like to think about what I have agency over versus what I don't have agency over. And I was like, what do I have agency over? I have agency over how I'm spending my time, how I'm finding meaning, who I'm connecting with. And so I think I was just like, this would be really fun. I've really enjoyed teaching one-on-one. And then teaching students got me thinking even more of I've always been so lucky to have a passion because a sense of passion has equipped me with a sense of purpose and direction. In high school, I had passions, and it made it easier for me to choose where to spend my time, to tell myself why I was working so hard and it was kind of like my why. And I was working with these kids and they were, I was like, it is so hard to wake up and have motivation in this time. And my North Star is my passion. Again, I wanted to be this criminal justice reform lawyer one day. Like I was like, that's what drives me to wake up, to work hard, to reach out to this professor, to do this amazing thing. And they just didn't have that. And I was like, so many of my friends right now have no idea what they care about. And this is such a gloomy time because you're sent back into your bedroom. You have to reconcile with yourself, what you're spending your time with. You can't interact with so many people. You really have to confront yourself and who you are and what you care about. And so seeing in those kids that they just had no idea, but I saw a lot of potential in them, really inspired me. And yeah. so... I think that it energized me and when something energizes me, I kind of keep coming back for more and connecting people has always energized me. So when I realized that I couldn't, I had the power to not only support these students and their parents, but also my peers who were super uninspired, super sad they were sent home and they could work with someone and be like, this is like my younger self or I get to tell this kid what I wish someone told me. It was very rewarding and inspiring. And so I think that Feeling like there's a greater purpose in life motivates us all, that you're doing something that's greater than yourself. And especially when we were relegated back to our childhood bedrooms as college students, feeling like you could kind of take what you wish you heard and give it back to other people was incredibly motivating. And then the hyperconnectivity as well. Um, People were really craving community and connection. And when we started Curious Cardinals, we, with the mentors, I was like, these college students are incredible. I would host curious cocktails and curious cahoots and we'd connect everyone. And I was like, how amazing is, does it feel to be connected to all these incredibly accomplished and ambitious college students who love what they're doing and want to give it back? Like, don't we all want to connect with each other as well? So I think the other thing was community. Like, and I think community is so much about feeling like you're connected to something greater than yourself.
1: I completely agree and that's the reason why I do stuff like this, to connect to people such as yourself and other interesting people out there doing great things. Uh, I think it's not addressed often enough in society. We know that there, depending on who you read, there's this tension between the generations, Gen Zs and millennials versus boomers or this culture, this age war that uh, the media will tell you exists. But I think not enough attention has been paid to how hard the younger generations were hit by the pandemic. And when I think back to my own, I'm just only slightly older, I would be solidly in the millennial category, but I've always thought that we don't really talk enough about how awful it is that people were robbed of their senior year of high school. These pivotal moments Mm -hmm. that we can all say, oh, so many things happened during my senior year or my freshman year of college. These moments that shape your foundation and your social circle to have that pulled away from you. It's just awful. And I I don't often hear people talking about how awful that experience must have been at that age where you're still forming yourself and you're not able to say, oh, well, I'm just gonna work from home for a couple years in, yeah. in the routine. So how have you seen that in terms of helping people get over that hump? Were mm-hmm. you able to inspire people who were previously uninspired? How do you tell people, hey, this sucks, but let's mm-hmm. make meaning out of this together?
0: 100% there's so much there. There's a few things, one I'll start with. So I still mentor my first student and so cool. For everyone who doesn't know, Curious Cardinals connects K through 12 students to college mentors to help them find their passions, to help them gain confidence. So we have kids who are discovering their passions, who are pursuing passions, who are, who are we were working with to gain confidence in areas where they're lacking. We call tutoring the T-word. We don't talk about it's not tutoring, it's okay. academic mentorship because tutoring is so transactional and it's really about building that relationship and that confidence in yourself, not just to succeed on Friday's test, but in life. So we had students working on all sorts of things throughout the pandemic. And I'm still working with the student that I started with. She was an eighth grader. Now she's a junior in high school. Not because I have time, but because it's enormously rewarding to, again, get back to that micro um, while on the math, thinking about and scaling the macro scale. And she was an eighth grader when I met her. And when she finally got to go back to in person school, she was a 10th grader. Can you imagine? No. I can't. You sent home 8th grade. I'd be lying
1: on, if I said I could. No, I'd be lying your, if I said I could. Have that was like that. the Sounds time
0: strange. I got my braces off. You yep. have like your first date. You have like your first home. Like all of these I things. I discovered of,
1: like, the theater and theater kids and making people laugh for the first time.
0: All all of the things. And then you just 8th grade, you're a middle schooler. And then you're like halfway through high school.
1: It's like, and oops, so. here's a piece of paper, kid.
0: <laughs> they lost so much socialization. And that's something that we can't sugarcoat. We can't tell anyone, like, we're seeing, and I'm actually, I was speaking to a parent the other day who was saying, like, their kid's so great, but the pandemic really, really hurt them. And I was like, take an extra year of high school. Take it, like, whatever you can do. Let's acknowledge that this was a real absence and a real um, obstacle students had to overcome. Well, at the same time, on our, at Curious Cardinals, what inspired us was we have a lot of families to this day who are, like, you guys were the light of hope during the pandemic. Like school was not fun. This was not exciting. They couldn't see their friends, but they had this mentor who was like four to six years ahead in age of them, that they were doing things that most middle and high school kids are not tasked with doing. And someone who believed in them and they got to build this relationship and do extraordinary things. And like that was the, like you guys were the source of inspiration during the pandemic. And that's like the most, heartwarming thing and just inspiring thing. I feel so fortunate and I I am so blessed that we were able to have that impact on people. But it was like we brought the inspiration in a time that was just so gloomy. And we realized when the pandemic ended that we still need that inspiration. Everyone wants people they can look up to and wants to feel like looking up to them is not unattainable. So much of what's sad about social media is kids are looking at Edited bodies or super heightened and hyperbolized versions of success and fun and that doesn't feel attainable. So it gives it makes right. them feel helpless. And the mentors are close in age, so the whole thing is about the relatability and attainability of like maybe I feel aspirational, but you can be me. Like you are so much further ahead of where I was when I was your age. Imagine where you're right. gonna be when I'm you're when I'm when you're my age. And so well, that's a problem. I that's a
1: problem that I have. All the kids, they see me and they realize this is impossible to emulate. They look at me as this paragon of success and joy and money. And <sighs> it's, it's an impossible standard. It, you're intimidating. You can't, Ross. you can't do that, you know, and and I feel bad because I just exude that to my 1300 followers on Instagram. And, you know, I feel bad. But at the same time, I've got to be me. Yep. I can't help it. So, I, I get it. It's tough Ross, out there.
0: I don't know if you could be a curious Cardinal's mentor. You're a little yeah. you're a little too far ahead on the journey. It's intimidating.
1: Yeah, I know. I have to rethink. I have to retrace some of my steps and try to remember what it was like when I was still just struggling, but it's but so you, we, so long ago.
0: So long ago. So you could be a mentor to our mentors. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was in Forbes 20 under 20 because I thought 30 was too long to wait. I just uh I wanted to get it done early. I made my first million when I was 15 years old, speaking of (laughs) lemonade stands.
0: Well, Uh, our kids have a lot to learn from you, so. Yeah,
1: right, right. I'll try to teach it. Um, But one of these things that I'm, you know, you have this fascinating one-on-one experience and the idea of scaling that experience. Because again, it's like a piano teacher. I took piano lessons at some point (laughs) from a woman who was very talented. She probably made 20, dollars an hour yep. she was not rich at all so this idea of connect heck I taught English to people when I was teaching English when I lived in Europe many years ago yep. a lot of people do this but very very few of them are able to scale it in any kind of meaningful mm-hmm. sense so how did you realize that you could take this beyond that and turn it into a business not just one that grew but one that actually needed funding and got funding to do that
0: yeah I'll start with coming back to the passion yeah. It seems like I took such a two roads diverged into one path and I did not only just take the one less traveled by, but I took the one like totally out of left field. No one would have expected that for Audrey. Yeah. But when I distilled at its core what motivated me to do the thing I was doing before, it was I love building individual relationships and getting to know someone on an individual level and human connection, but I wanted to have a systemic impact. That's why I wanted to come to the Supreme Court. I wanted it to be like this one person and the story would affect hundreds of thousands, millions. Never in a million of years would I thought individuality scaled, wow, maybe technology could be the vehicle to enact that scale. And here I was doing Curious Cardinals and I was like, why does this feel so right for me? I love this, I care so deeply about this. And I was like, because at its core, it's the same thing. So that was one part of it is realizing like this was so core to me and where there's a will, there's a way. The other was I am the visionary and I am the communicator and the connector. I brought a great co-founder on board. My co-founder, Alec, as I said, was an aerospace engineer. And he, from day one, was always pushing the boundaries of scale. Like he was like, if we're going to do this, we're not just going to do this. We're going to use technology and we're going to scale it and I was like, "Okay, great. Awesome." Sounds so great. we kind of we constantly push each other. I was the one who was like, "Alec, don't intern at SpaceX this summer. Like, let's do this thing full time." So we kind of constantly push each other like me as the visionary and him as the engineer builder. And he in our first years, he he's not technical, but he's an engineer in, in spirit, in heart, in mind. And so he found every no-code, low-code solution to make everything inefficient about our business efficient. And we look back now and I'm like, wow, that was pretty impressive. You did this. He found Zapier, he found this, he found that. And it was like everything that was redundant. His mind was like, we can make that more efficient. And okay. so I think it's most people who are doing these one off things are not thinking in that way. And suddenly I was working with someone who was hyper thinking about that way and moved very quickly and then just was constantly trying to make iterations to make everything more efficient. So he was making the system work while I was going out there and bringing the people in. And then more people and broke things and he had to kind of change it again. And that was like the first year was just the two of us. And we had generated like 750K in revenue without any capital, just us two doing it like that. We raised money then and brought people on board. But I think we realized, yes, a human. Which which
1: is 7,500 hours at 95, roughly $95 an hour. Was that the rate you were charging back then?
0: Oh, no. That was, we were charging like. We were doing group workshops in our first year, which were like $30 per person in the class, okay. and we were doing like $60 per hour. Now we've we've raised it from $60 per hour to $85. We're doing some subscription stuff now. Um, it was a lot of hours. We were just yeah. hustling out there. Um, okay. We also were working with schools in that first year. We were just kind of, and I, I think it was, again, where there's a will, there's a way, and it's also about bringing complementary forces together. Like the person who's doing the unscalable thing, but is like, this needs to happen at scale. It's so good. And then the person who's like, I love solving problems. We're going to make it possible at scale. And it was like that synergy got it possible and then has like continued to be the healthy tension between us that moves the needle forward.
1: I mean, 750K, that's incredible for the first year of Anything Anywhere. So congratulations on that. Thank Kudos you. on that success. What's the overhead like in this? I assume you're paying many different mentors at this point. What were the expenses like in that first year?
0: Ross, we were 19 years old and we were supposed to be sophomores at Stanford. We weren't even like, I didn't. I was like, wow, we generated that much money. That's a lot of money. How did we do that? Like we were just working all the time, moving everything. There were post-its everywhere we were paying the mentors and then we had a few other college students the first month we moved into the cardinal crib is what we called it it was someone's home that was supposed to they were supposed to move into but because of covid complications they couldn't so it was like an empty home with nothing we like put some mattresses in there and we're like it's the cardinal crib we're going to blow up this startup and i was on cnn the night we moved oh, nice. in like crazy wow. like what's happening um and we said in the first four months we were together, we were like, why don't we just split whatever profit we make amongst the six of us equally? So that's how we did it at first. And I think it was like two and a half months and we each made like $5,000. And then Alec and I as the co-founders were like, let's take whatever we need to feed ourselves, but reinvest it. Um, and then we were paying someone else who was helping us a bit, one of the other college students, but it was it was pretty simple stuff. Um, And then when we raised venture funding, we didn't realize how much, having done that so scrappily, such an entrepreneurial spirit would help us and make it possible to raise more than we ever would have imagined raising. Um, But it was when we brought full-time people on board who were not college students that the expenses got more legitimate.
1: When they actually had needs and maybe families and kids. When,
0: exactly. When they had needs <laughs> when they had needs, <laughs> They did not need to eat ramen and Right, just ramen for every
1: single meal. When they find a half-eaten tortilla on a couch and they're like, oh, breakfast. It
0: changed <laughs> a lot. We realized people have a lot more needs than what we were operating at. And we need yeah. to up-level a little bit. Truly,
1: it is a beautiful time, though. Thinking back, I, like a tear will fall from my eye. <laughs> Recalling those halcyon days, it's a beautiful thing. Um, So based on the hustling and all of that, you were able to attract funding. The big question that I always have, because again, I I have a modest business myself. I always think about scaling. I have a digital marketing agency. I help companies and I have clients. And I always wonder what it would be like to take things to the next level. I've talked with a lot of founders who bootstrapped and a lot of them who got money in. How did you decide that, A, you needed money to come in, and B, how did you go about getting funding for this from day one?
0: Yep. Um, How did we decide we needed money? As soon as we were like, okay, let's bring full-time people on board who have more experience than having gone to college, we needed to raise money because it wasn't – they couldn't take the risk of joining a company that we were fortunate to be able to pay them for the first four months having before we had capital in the bank, but they weren't going to come on board without funding. And they saw these young Stanford scrappy kids, and it that was kind of the level of security they needed when they were already taking a risk with such young founders, with being the first hires at a startup as well. So we realized we needed that to bring them on board and to be able to pay them. So we were first gonna raise 750k. We thought this will be good. This will get us through the year. We're not gonna go crazy. And how did we go about raising that money? We were reaching out to our happy parents and we we're saying, "Is anyone interested? Does anyone know anyone?" There was a parent, a family that was very involved and loved Curious Cardinals. That had um, a family that they made some investments themselves. So we thought, "Wow, we can just get a few people in. They're gonna introduce us to some of their friends, and then." We had one of our purse parents say, hey, this family who's been with you guys who I referred, he, he runs a fund and he would love to speak with you. And we had no idea. This parent, um, he actually took his fourth grader out of school to do Curious Cardinals full-time that year. And we actually, I thought this man was crazy. I was like, there's this man who took his fourth grader out of a private school in L.A. to do Curious Cardinals full-time. And when we he first called me, I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure if you want to do that with us. And he was like, no, your mentors are amazing. I would love to. His son did design thinking, philosophy, physics, creative writing, environmental science, architecture, computer science, one-on-one with our mentors. Wow. As a fourth grader. And wow. he said he got on the phone with us. We, didn't even, we couldn't even find the fund online. We were like, who is this guy? He was like, my son's learning didn't just 2x It 10x, it soared. He said, I hated shopping. Amazon came along. I hated driving Uber. I've always hated my kids' education. They're capable of so much more. They're uninspired and disengaged. Curious cardinals. Don't just raise 750K, raise five million. I'll do the whole thing. My co-founder and I are like,
1: are you serious? One ripple catapulted the whole thing.
0: And then everyone wanted to invest and we suddenly were oversubscribed. Oh my goodness!
1: Okay, and and how it was it was near five million. I think I read that somewhere. How much did it end up being then?
0: We raised four point two five million first, and then we did a bit of a seed extension, and have raised six point eight million total. But the other person who got involved was we we were part of the Stanford affiliated incubator called Stardax, where we met one of our advisors, and he introduced us to his friend, who's named Naukul, who founded Audacious Partner Audacious Ventures, and. We were kind of like, ah, we don't know them. How cool is it that all our other investors are parents at Curious Cardinals? And they were super ambitious and really showing us they wanted to be involved. And then I won, I was part of some female founder group called Galvanizer, where I was, they made an exception for me actually. It was all business school women, and I hadn't even finished mm-hmm. undergrad. And I won 10K at a pitch competition. And one of the judges was a former partner of knockools at Lightspeed. So I emailed her after, did a backdoor reference call. She was like, raise more, change around, do anything to get him involved. And I was like, oh, my God. She isn't. Wow. And then we did re- references with his other founders. And so it was all through just like kind of community. We were so lucky, two people without a network, without having worked at other places, to have Found it from happy clients, and then from this incubator we were a part of. Um, but felt really, really fortunate, and we had two great lead investors get involved, and then a few other angels. Um, and again, I think the power of having the experience of actually being a Curious Cardinals parent made that leap to invest so much more powerful and profound because they had experienced it firsthand. Yeah. But I also feel. We were so enormously lucky to have had a parent who had referred a friend who had been able to try us and um, even been in this, had even gotten Stardex and been introduced to this guy who introduced the Sinakul. Cool. So, a combination of like putting ourselves out there, delivering an amazing experience that someone had experienced firsthand, and then luck.
1: Wow. So, did you do the stereotypical thing where you dropped out of Stanford and then just swam around in a pool of cash for the next year or?
0: No. No,
1: you stayed in school. You finished your degree.
0: No, so okay, we might have to record the entry part again because I never okay. say dropout. I always say stop oh. out. I am a stop, stop out. out. I okay. don't know if you've seen my We're, email. It, it says class of TBD.
1: Okay, class. So you're coming back. You just don't know when.
0: Not anytime soon. Right. Like I'm, I'm doing this, but one day. And okay, in all seriousness, though. It was, I, I talk about this often where like, I never had a, I have so many light bulb moments, like so many specific instances that I remember so clearly, the change, the idea. I never had a like, I'm not going back to Stanford anytime soon moment. I kept being like, I'll go back in spring. I'll go back in fall. And then I just stopped saying that. I think I stopped saying that because I was like, I am learning so much and I am making an impact. And I wake up every day feeling so much conviction in what I'm doing. Yeah. And I don't need to say when I'm going back because I don't want, I like, I'm loving what I'm doing and I'm so fulfilled and rewarded and making an impact by it. So um, now my mom keeps asking when I'll go back. I don't think she'll stop that anytime soon. Um, but I'm like, I'll go Do you back. Have siblings? One
1: day. Do you have siblings older or younger?
0: I have two older siblings.
1: Okay. And in spite of all of this, your mom's still hassling you. <laughs> Did you ever tell her you can't have your cake and eat it? to Just be grateful. Okay.
0: Thank <laughs> be you. grateful Thank your you, kid
1: yeah. is doing this. Not Thank every you. kid's like, oh, my God, will you please go back to Stanford? Will you abandon this silly multi-million-dollar business that you've got
0: Thank and you. finally
1: get a real job?
0: She's very, very supportive. She's just like— That's good. You would love college. Are you sure you don't want to go back? And I'm like, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm fine.
1: Uh, I, I completed college. There's nothing there for you that you haven't already found. <laughs> There's nothing. Yeah, you, you, you. You're doing it. You got it. You got Thank the thing. Uh, this is more important. So one of the one of the things that I'm always very, very interested in talking about, because you mentioned criminal justice reform, which means to me that you have a strong sense of injustice, inequity, things that are broken or wrong with the world, as do I and many intelligent people who care about the planet that they live in. So you could have chosen that path. It strikes me as very realistic that if you had chosen that path, your life would be a lot more negative, would be a lot more frustrating. You'd be beating your head against a wall that probably will never cave versus this path where you get to feel that joy and sense of purpose every single day of your life. Do you imagine any reality where you would be as happy if you'd chosen to fight those problems head on versus choosing to do this?
0: a great and tough question because I thought about that a lot again when I was going through this phase of oh I kept almost like looking at the clock like maybe I'll delay law school one year is this gonna look bad for the law school application and the first class I taught at Curious Cardinals was on mass incarceration honestly a lot of the inspiration for Curious Cardinals in the beginning was my student on the west coast and my student on the east coast in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's murder were like what's happening And they don't teach this stuff in school. And so I created a resource guide. And then I made that resource guide a syllabus. And I was like, why don't I teach a class on this? Um, And there were so many issues that we, Gen Z, cares about with all the inequities that we face and feel responsible for solving. That we're like, this was never taught to us. Um, And so, again, I, I taught that class. We brought guest speakers in. We actually raised money for Equal Justice Initiative, which I wanted to work at. And I, again, kept thinking back, like, I'm lucky I can connect it back. And it's how cool is it that I can inspire young people to also be passionate about this, to make their own impact. Um, But what felt so amazing about working in education is it felt like we were moving forward. It felt like everything could just kind of bring the needle forward. And the summer before, before going to Stanford, I was translating I-589 asylum forms for Hispanic refugees at a nonprofit in New York City and it was so, so devastating. I would leave and be like, this system's not working and we're trying and we're putting this case together and how devastating is it gonna be to look this person in the eyes if we can't support them and we're trying everything we can in this system and the regulation and the bureaucracy was like, and I'm such an action-oriented person, I do think I would've lost my mind. Like now it's funny, I'm like how, even when we work with lawyers, um, thank you to our lawyers, but uh, lawyers, man, I, like, it moves <laughs> lawyers, so slow. Ma'am. And yeah. I think Well, you
1: got politics entering all of this, you know, getting meaningful change. I often wonder whether it's possible with that vehicle, especially in light without getting too political in light of all of the things that are happening at this moment yeah. in our criminal justice system. Yeah. I wonder whether that kind of change can ever happen. Sometimes I'm cynical. Sometimes I'm optimistic about that
0: read this was a great book for me in high school and was brian stevenson's book just mercy and brian stevenson and all he's done he's incredibly inspiring and gives a lot of hope and i hope so many young people read that and gain that inspiration but i do think an interesting thing about our generation is i was someone who thought i would go into the public sector and i like thought it was tainted to go into the private sector um i've changed a lot I oft- i still deal with the college student idealism and it's hard to confront reality sometimes, but so many of my peers who grew up with Trump in office wanted to go in politics and wanted to make social change, and now they still want to make social change, but they don't want don't want to do so in politics. They don't want to do so in the public sector. They want to do it in a nonlinear, in their own way, where they feel like they have agency, where they feel like they have their own v- voice, and where they feel like they have the autonomy to enact change going forward. Um, so I think it's really, yeah, I thought about it a lot and realized how amazing is this that I can put in the effort and the effort yeah. results in change and moving us forward. And I I still hope, and it, again, it feels, I want other people in the world to be doing things and also finding maybe the nonlinear way to solve problems so that they can move the needle forward in these areas that should not go unneglected. Um, but I also feel lucky, like when, as much as it's so energizing what I do in the stories, it's a lot of work. And it's, I feel so lucky that every day I can wake up. And that's what motivates me is these stories, is this change that I can make. And it doesn't feel like my work is happening in a vacuum. It feels like it's actually moving the needle forward for many people in this community.
1: Well, it's a simple shift psychologically, but it's one that I recognize. It's profound and I understand it. And that feeling that propels you forward of direct connection, the positive side of the same coin, if you will. It is better to be on that side versus if you're fighting, fighting, fighting. It's just hard and heartbreaking. And even in the sphere of public discourse, putting opinions on YouTube and in a community of online trolls and misinformation and disinformation campaigns and bots and all of that, certain avenues are just frustrating and challenging and very difficult for getting change done. And others are positive and uplifting and enlightening. And that's why I'm interested in social entrepreneurship as a field for exactly the reasons that you described having myself gotten a degree in English literature <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, film. So also that's wow. how I've found this area because I think it's interesting and I think it's a it's a potential way to do the things that you described in totally. a positive way without just wanting to kill yourself all the time. Uh, yes. I do have an idea, though, for a class that you should teach to children. So this is an idea that I think you could do, make See a it. lot of money with. So you should teach kids... To be happy working at Del Taco for minimum wage and just to forget the idea of ever owning a home. See, that's the trick. If you have the desire to own a house or to have property or anything valuable in this society, that's your first mistake. So just get rid of that desire. Accept working for minimum wage. Accept that your money will not pay for all of your expenses and your living and just be happy. That's that's a good
0: question. So all of our mentorship is one on one. But Ross, we have this high school fellowship program, which are these 15 overachiever, highly ambitious high school students who love Curious Cardinals so much that they're like, we want to help you grow it. And they've we sent them a form recently of what they want to learn more about. They all want to learn about marketing. I think we got to get you to be a guest speaker for our high schoolers. You have a lot of wisdom to. to drop for them.
1: Oh, I'd, I'd I'd love to. I've done a few things like that with kids in the past, and it was great. I did like a whole UK entrepreneur. I would I'd be honored, honestly. You'd be. I'll
0: a, tell that. I'll say you're not allowed to tell them about the um, no aspirations part, but everything you've else else you've said is really inspiring.
1: That's right. I'll just ignore the fact that ninety percent of the time he's fifty percent full of shit. If you can accept that, there's probably some gold in there no, somewhere. you no, teach them uh, a
0: lesson. This is how you captivate people. You have to. Yeah. And Just then you'll like tell them
1: what's real. Lies. Yeah, that's true. No, I would. I would be absolutely honored. I'd love the idea. I'll write you I'd, about I love- that.
0: I think you'd be great.
1: I love chatting with the kids. Um, I love the kids. Like I said, I feel like they've gotten a rotten deal, especially the last few years. Yeah. Uh, been often maligned and needlessly yeah. so, which I don't appreciate. Uh, yeah. I think there is sort of a union in some ways. Well, maybe we feel that as millennials, we feel that there's a union between mm-hmm. millennials and Gen- maybe Gen Z. So, oh, no, That's like <laughs> maybe well, we're just I like spend putting all my wrong. time uh, with
0: millennials and moms. So I feel like more millennial than Gen Z, though I'm so Gen Z in a lot of ways. I have some problems with our generation, too. Um, But I, I do think that we are teaching in school the same things that our parents learned. And kids, as Which I said, knowledge. they have social media, yeah. they have these devices. And what we do at Curious Cardinals is try to connect the dots. We're like, your kid loves video yeah. games. Why don't they learn how to code a video game? Your kid loves TikTok. Why don't we teach them video production? And mm. we show things, these things that they think are like bad, don't spend time on, unproductive, unefficient. And we really we show them the positive spin. Learning social media marketing, learning digital marketing, learning storytelling yeah. through marketing, like those are such useful skills that I wish yeah. they taught in school. And oh, we'll for sure. They can do so much on their own if they're just taught it. So excited for what's to come.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we talked about TikTok. And, of course, it's understood that video games, TikTok, these are the classic evils. And I think that to an extent that is true, of course, we're all victims of this phenomenon and the toxicity or the virus of, we'll call it TikTok, social media, whatever, it infects all of us. And I think proof of that is that Elon Musk cares about putting memes on Twitter. If you could have hundreds of billions of dollars and you still say, why don't people like me on Twitter? Why? Why did only 100,000 people like my last post when the previous one was 200,000? Am I getting less popular? Is like if Elon Musk is still feels the need. Need to do this basic ego-driven <laughs> number stuff, then what chance do the rest of us stand? What chance does a kid have? What chance does an adult have? It's we all just, like it, likes. We all like likes. We're all driven by ego. We all want to be the funniest person in the room. We want everybody up oh, here's my here's the picture of the food that I ate. Ten thousand likes. Oh my god, you're a genius. Um, and and I of course, but we're all I struggle with it. I'm sure you do as well. Anybody who runs a social media account, you, you yep. say, why don't I get more likes? But of course, yep. there is a distraction element of what is more important. And if you have your eye on the prize, what could you be spending an hour on instead of scrolling here? What else could you yep. be doing over here? And I genuinely and I'm not saying I'm good at this, by the way, yep. but what difference could you be making in the real world? Something that people actually need versus just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's Except not, uh, you this know? is
0: then this is what we try to tell the kids is what you like these things you have fun on them like what what are actual changes you can make in the real world using them as a vehicle. Very um, true. One of my peers that I met through Forbes Thirty Under Thirty um, founded Impact, which is an Instagram account with like three million followers, nice. and it's what a lot of Gen Z restory when there's some social injustice happening in the world that they want to spread busy about or they turn to it as a learning resource and it was like she started this when she was at berkeley and they put these posts together and shed light upon amplified and social issues in a really compelling powerful way and that's awesome like it used the it used that. I like the likes. I like the posting. I like the graphics for good. And so, yeah. how can we teach kids that like you actually have power and agency? It doesn't just have to be That's about the avocado toast you ate for brunch on Saturday or right. the pick with your. I love friend. that
1: that trope has made it down a generation. <laughs>
0: it has. It's still You'll
1: going watch. strong. Okay, great. I don't think avocado stop. toast. It'll never it looks stop. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah, it looks right. It, um, and it is
0: yummy. It, it's um, very yummy. It, yep. I think that's the the key thing is like, how can you twist that? Or how can we lean into the things that we do enjoy or we do find fun, but then make them meaningful or make it a vehicle to bring value into the world?
1: Completely agree. It's a great hypothesis, one that I wholeheartedly agree with. I think it's awesome. Uh, talking very briefly as we near the end of our hour about marketing, what has been the most effective marketing channel for For you? What's been the most effective vehicle? Has it just been boots on the ground calling everybody I know or something else?
0: Um, In-person events. Interesting. Word of mouth referrals are huge for us, but one of our most powerful and unique things has last year we were figuring out because our marketing was so organic. It was a lot of just reaching out to people. We were so lucky with earn PR. Parents told their friends they loved it so much. It's a great viral thing because people are like, my son, who you know, he can't we can't get him off the couch to stop watching sports, made a sports blog with his Stanford mentor. I'm so proud of him. You wanna see his blog? Like they all talk about it because they're seeing their kids do things that they didn't know they were capable of, or seeing their kids yeah. love someone who's like this such a brilliant person and putting a positive role model in their life. So there's a huge word of mouth to it. And so last year we reached out to some families and said, Thank you for your support. They had said how much they love Curious Cardinals. Would you be open to hosting something casual, inviting your friends to learn about Curious Cardinals and I'll come. And they've all said, would love to do so. One of two of them were Curious Coffee chats. It was like after drop off, we brought the Starbucks coffee. The moms gathered. The mom shared why she loves Curious Cardinals so much, why it's been so impactful. I shared our founding story. Everyone asked questions and they were all like, sign me up today. And then everyone went to work and they signed up. Nice. And then we did the curious cocktails in the evening. And then people, it was just a super intimate way. And the other thing is, ever since the pandemic has ended, people have craved human connection. People no are kidding. so excited to come together, so grateful that their friend will tell them something. Everyone loves to be the person who tells their friends the thing that's so great and be the one who's kind of in on it. And it's such guerrilla marketing. It seems so obvious. Some people are like, is that like the teacup parties or the multi-level marketing? Like it's literally just when a parent's super happy, we say, we're going on tour in New York. Would you consider hosting something very casual? You don't need to do anything except invite your friends. We'll bring them some merch as a party favor and we'll come share what we do. And they're all like, would love to. So that has been like such high conversion rate. And we have this oddly truncated marketing funnel because someone invites their friend, they come to the event, they don't just convert, they go to evangelists. Suddenly they're like, they feel part of the community, they know the story, they want to tell their other friends. So we are expanding our marketing funnel and testing in new channels right now, but I would say that's very unique to our growth thus far and has been super effective.
1: I I completely get it. And you talked about things that are just missing from traditional. I feel that way. Missing from traditional education. I've always felt that way. So many things I was personally unprepared for. Basic accounting, for one thing. Stuff that would become a huge part of your life. I love this idea that the IRS or whatever your local tax collecting authority may be is just this giant thing that can just ruin your life at any second and we know nothing about it. I graduated nothing. from college. I knew nothing about what I needed to do for the IRS. And then you get into the real world and they're like, of course you didn't. You needed to film a for, uh, form 2043-EZ. Oh, you didn't? Well, that's a Schedule K reference. Well, Schedule K was the addendum issued in 20... But don't use the 2018 version because no, that's it's- out of date. You don't know any of that stuff no. and you'll get heavily, heavily penalized for it on the basis of your ignorance. So, well? You should have known this. Well, When should I have known this? When could I have learned basic finance? Or how businesses work. And then you you wonder, and I don't want to get into yes, conspiracy theories. They don't here.
0: even teach kids how to write emails. Is it deliberate? In schools. <laughs> they don't like the amount of kids I've taught, like you want to ask for something, how do you write an email? They don't know. Yeah. And that's like the single most important skill for job mobility, for getting right. what you want, for filing a complaint when you didn't get a refund and DoorDash sent you the wrong thing. Like whatever it is, that's so important. They don't even teach that. So we are
1: seeing in, so You know what else? So
0: much.
1: In my high school, I had one credit left to fill. It was something random. Nobody encouraged me to do this. I had one block left to fill. And I thought, you know what I'm gonna do for the heck of it? I'm gonna do a typing class. So I did a learn how to touch type class. That turned out to be the single most useful class I think I've ever taken in anything yep. in my entire life because I type yep. all day. And now I type 112 words per minute thanks to that class. And nobody was like, hey, that might be a good idea. It was truly a whim. No clue.
0: No, it's wild. It's so wild and so much. And there's no reason for it. It's just bureaucracy and these slow moving systems. And that's a lot of why we are direct to consumer, because we can move things at the pace that is inspiring and motivating and moving faster than a lot of other things are. But there's so much need for change in education. What kids are learning is not the most useful things and it's all, and kids are on so unhappy.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of inspiring and motivating, your energy is palpable. Your enthusiasm is infectious.
0: You, you are
1: inspiring and motivating. I think it's a very cool story. It turned out to be even cooler than I suspected from a distance. Uh, I wow, wholeheartedly approve of what you're doing. I think it's just awesome. Not that you need my approval or anything, but uh, it's just great. And I love that you're taking this into your hand because Complaining and just bitching about the system is one thing, but finding that, hey, people are hungry for this and that other intelligent people, especially with with their kids, I want my kid who's now four years old to learn these kinds of things. And it's important to think that there's somebody out there who is taking this on and bringing this into the world. So it's super cool. Many kudos and many thanks for taking the time out of your busy weekend schedule to sit with me. Um, of course. is there anything that you would like to direct people to or parting words before we wrap this up?
0: If you're interested in signing your kid up for Curious Cardinals or joining Curious Cardinals in any way, check us out at CuriousCardinals.com. Find us on Instagram, find us on LinkedIn, connect with me. Um, if you're in one of the cities, we have events at, We'd love to invite you or to our virtual events. Yeah. And Ross, I love beat the often beat off the track the <laughs> i'm struggling
1: hey beat something like trek. that yeah I had beat, beat I love the potato <laughs> pancake uh
0: I, thank you march to the beat of your own drum go your own way <laughs> yeah. we don't teach people that in school right. and it i'm not gonna say it's been an easy journey. It has been an extraordinarily fulfilling one, and it feels like it's just getting started. But so much of what we talk about Curious Cardinals is that journey, and I love that you're thinking of that path. Um, Kids have tunnel vision, and we like to think cardinals, like the bird, will give them that 360-degree view of the horizon and the limitless options out there. And it can feel really, really difficult to take the path less traveled by. So thank you for the work you do to illuminate those stories and encourage that
1: My pleasure. And if you could tell your kids just one thing for me, tell your students this, just say, look, I've met the guy. He is human. It's not an impossible standard. He has bad days, too. I know it looks like the model of absolute perfection, but don't lose heart. There's hope for you, too. If you could just spread that to them, I'd really, really
0: appreciate it. Thank you for your modesty. I'll let
1: them know. Yeah, it's important. I believe in humility. (laughs) It's it's a deep, deep, deep. (laughs) Uh, some might say I'm the best at humility in the world.
0: And then uh, we'll, I'm going to definitely have you speak to our high schoolers because they'll love to learn from you and are wanting well, cool. to learn all about social media and digital marketing.
1: We will be in touch. Happy to oblige. Uh, with Amazing. that, thank you again. And the official podcast is over. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Beat the Off and Path podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes we've shared, it would mean a great deal to me if you subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice or on YouTube. And of course, if you shared either the show itself or this particular episode with somebody who might want to hear it to help us grow the audience for the show, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So if you've been a passive listener all this time, I get it. I understand. There's no big deal with that. But it would really, really mean a lot to me if you'd leave a positive review and help me grow this show. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.